listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Look with me in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Who, talk about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah, his wife's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake only that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. My title of my message this morning is The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago. These verses explain a few things. Number one, it talks to us about hope. These verses explain imputation. Abraham's hope of receiving the promises that God made to him was in the imputation of the righteousness of God to him. So let's learn and rejoice in four aspects of Abraham's hope. Number one, we see hope's explanation. What hope is not? Let's talk about what hope, the word hope is not. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. That's why we're talking about this. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. Now, first of all, let's talk about what hope is not. In our day, the word hope is used as an expression of wish. We say, well, I hope so. Well, what does that tell you when someone says that, especially with that lilt in the voice? Well, I hope so. That means they really don't know if it's really going to happen or not. They have doubt. It may or may not be. Uh, there's uncertainty, but our hope is that it will turn out to our favor and our wish. That's what we're hoping for. We'll see. Is that the way you'd like to use hope as it's used in this verse? Let me read to you. This is Colossians 1.27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Now, would you like to use hope in that sense the way we use it today? Well, I hope so. I hope I'll go to heaven. I hope I'll get there. I want to tell you something. What that makes the gospel is not a gospel. It makes it not good news. If you're having a guess, which is, by the way, whatever other religion that teaches you could lose your salvation, it's not good news at all. It's I hope so, maybe so, if I can do it so, it's basically salvation by works in the back door. Hope is not, in the Bible, is not the same word as we use it today. It doesn't mean a probable expectation. It means a definite expectation. What is hope? 
You've talked about what it's not. Now let's listen to what it is. Number one, the definition. In Strong's hope means favorable or confident expectation, the happy anticipation of good. So when you use the word hope, you shouldn't be going, I hope so. You should be going, I hope so. The Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament says this, it means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. It is much like the meaning of faith. It's much like faith. A confident trust in, relying on and clinging to. But there is a distinction between faith and hope. Between faith and hope. Now, let me tell you, if you have faith, you most likely have hope. But some people don't have hope, but they are saved. They just have a hard time receiving it. They've trusted Christ. They do believe, but I don't know. You know how that is. There's some people like that. But my friend, there's a difference between faith and hope, a distinction, and here it is. The difference in faith and hope is that hope is an expectation of good things that faith is. And faith is simple trust in what God has said. Hope is the expectation of great and good things, a happy word, and faith is just a plain old ordinary word of, I believe God. Okay? You say, well, I still don't know what the difference is. Okay. He has said, God has said that he will judge and make war. How many of you have faith in that? If you believe the Bible, you have faith in that. God said that he is going to come and judge and make war. How many of you believe that? Say amen. Okay. But I don't want that to have to happen to you. I don't want that to have to happen. I don't want anybody to be judged. That's why I go around screaming and hollering, trying to get people convinced that they need to turn to Jesus so they will not experience the wrath of God. I don't want them. It is not my hope that anybody dies and goes to hell. Hope is believing in forgiveness, grace, mercy. Hey, I believe God's going to judge. I believe in hell. I believe in eternal damnation, but I don't like it. I hate that it's going to happen. I don't want it to have to happen, but I do believe. It's not a hope necessarily, but this is what I hope in. This is what I hope in. I believe and I hope in forgiveness. I hope for grace. I hope for mercy. I hope for deliverance. I hope for the resurrection. I hope for eternal life in heaven with Jesus forever. That's hope, amen? I hope in that. And hope is not a maybe so. It is I know so. All those things are going to happen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Number two, hope's example. Of course, we know what hope's example is in these verses. The context is Abraham. Is Abraham. We're talking about Abraham. He started, and for those of you that joined us late in the game, he, he's using Abraham as an example of salvation by faith because the Bible says in the Old Testament, Abraham believed God, and that was accounted to him for righteousness. You know what's required for heaven? Righteousness. You know what you don't have? Righteousness. Oh, but Brother Ron, I'm good. I do good things. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't kiss the girls that do. You're a liar. Brother Ron, you are. You know you are. You've told lies. You've taken God's name in vain. You've used God's name for for something other than prayer, praise, or preaching, haven't you? Come on, be honest. 
You've lied, you've stolen, I guarantee you've stolen, and you've even murdered. I knock your head off. You know, my illustration, this is for visitors. My people have heard this a hundred times. Last time I'll know that you knock somebody's head off, it kills them. You say, yeah, but I wouldn't really do it. Yeah, but it's in your heart, isn't it? And God not only sees the action of your hands, he knows the intentions of your heart. And my friend, you are a sinner. God even says it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's in chapter 3, verse 23. And what you don't have is righteousness, and what is required for heaven is righteousness. And you're in a pickle. I'm in a pickle. How will we? And we find out that Abraham long ago was saved and was going to heaven. So how did Abraham do it? And we find that this is what God said to him. He believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's what happens when you get excited. Hope's example, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believe. Number one, we see God's promise. God's promise. God promised Abraham a land. He promised him descendants. He promised him many things. Look at this, verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believe, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. As the stars in heaven, as the sand of the sea, he told Abraham, your descendants will be like that of your own loins. From your own body, you're going to have a son. Genesis 15, 5 says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he made many more promises and a covenant with Abraham. And Abraham believed him. So we see God's promise. Then though we see Abraham's problem. Although God said these things to him, Abraham had a problem. And I've already stated it, but I'm going to state it again. This is what is against hope. Notice that phrase because it's a little confusing, I admit. Who contrary to hope in hope believe? What in the world does that mean? Let's say that brother Robert said, I can fly. And we all laughed at him. And we said, yeah, you can get on a plane. No, I mean, I can start flapping my arms and I can fly. And we laugh at him. And then all of a sudden, he starts flapping those long old arms, those big old hands of his, and up he rises off the ground and begins to fly. And contrary to what we think, he could do it. He can't. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Contrary to the hope, he had hope and he did it. Now, that's an example. That's what it's saying here. Verse 19, this is a little out of order, but it gives the picture. Let me read it with a little different order. His own body he did not consider already dead. Abraham said, sitting there, and God said, you're going to have children? And he said, I'm 100 years old. My child-bearing days, or you know, my child-giving days are over. I'm 100 years old. And he looked at his wife, who I'm sure he thought was beautiful and sweet and wonderful. He said, God, she's 90 years old. She doesn't have the ability to have children anymore. His body, now that's what he could have said. He did not say that. He looked at his own body and he did not consider it already dead since he was about 100 years old. And he did not look at Sarah's body and say, she's dead too. Her womb is dried up and dead. There's no way we can have children. No, Abraham didn't say that. 
He started finding houses near the grade school. That's what he started doing. Because we see, thirdly, Abraham's persuasion. Abraham's persuasion. In spite of Abraham and Sarah's deadness, Abraham, number two, believed God and believed God's promises. Look at this, verse 1. I, I, I'm, you just listen to me because it's in the verses. In verse 1 it says, In hope he believed. <laughs> 19 says, He was not weak in the faith. Verse 20 says, he did not waver. He did not waver at the promise of God. Verse 20 again says, he was strengthened in faith. Verse 20, he gave glory to God. What does that mean? That's a pre-thank you. Pre-thank you. God said, I'm going to give you descendants, and he glorified God. What does that mean? He thanked God, and it hadn't even happened yet. That's how much he believed. In verse 21, he was fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now you say, Brother Ron, I remember in in Bible school, I remember that Abraham did have a lack of faith because he had an affair with his handmaid and and had a child and, and tried to do it that way. That's not a lack of faith. That's just him getting ahead of God. It was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. He still believed that he was going to be the descendants of many nations, but he just thought he'd help God a little bit. He thought, maybe I didn't understand God until God sent the two angels and the man, uh, and it was Jesus, I believe, uh, pre-incarnate Jesus, and they went and talked to Abraham. He said, no, Abraham, I didn't say you were going to have a child by your handmaiden. I said, you and Sarah are going to have a child. She's going to bear, she's going to get pregnant. She's going to go nine months, and she is going to have a child. And, and, And Sarah in the tent was listening to this, and she laughed. She laughed, and she named him Isaac, which means laughter, because guess what? It happened. It happened. Well, what a coincidence. No, what a God. And now we look at faith's exchange. We see uh, Hope's example. Well, first of all, we saw Hope's explanation. Hope's example, Abraham believing God. He did not waver at all. Isn't that something? Hope's exchange. Hope's exchange. In spite of Abraham and Sarah's deadness, number two, Abraham believed God's promises, but three, and this is the new one, God accounted his faith as righteousness. God accounted. That is the word that's used over and over and over again, and we're going to have to go outside of our text because it's all through this whole section, chapter, verse one on down. Now, stay with me. Look at verse three. Look all the way up at verse three. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. By the way, that's a quotation from Genesis. Look at verse 5. His faith is, here's that word again, accounted for righteousness. Look at verse 6. God imputes righteousness apart from works. There it is again. By the way, same word. It's a different English word, but in the Greek, it's the same word. It means the same, account, impute. Verse 8, look at verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom God shall not impute sin. This is the opposite. Opposite of imputing righteousness is that God, to those who believe, will not impute our sin. If you come and open my accounts, my spiritual accounts, you can look all through them and you'll not find one debt. Woo! (laughs) You'll not find one debt because he does not impute sin. 
Look at verse 9. On into the verse, it says, Faith was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. Verse 10, how then was it accounted? Verse 11, that righteousness might be imputed to them. Verse 13, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, although it's not the word, it means the same. How did we get righteousness? Through faith. How did we get it? It was imputed to us. Verse 22, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but, verse 24, also for you and for me it shall be imputed to us who believe. 11 or 12 times in these verses, he uses that word, impute or account, which is the same Greek word. So it's the same word. Maybe different in English, but it's the same word. The words account and impute are the same word, and they mean, according to the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, it says, to keep records of commercial accounts involving both debts and credits, to put into one's account, to change one's account. You know what it means. You got a checkbook, don't you? Well, not anymore, but <laughs> you have a ledger, don't you? You have to add it all up. You have some that's red and some that's black, and you hope at the bottom of it it's black, right? The last number, you want it to be black. It means to reckon something. Reckon. Now, when we think of the word reckon, we think of a word that's only used in the South. I reckon so. It's actually a good old English Anglican word. It's a word used in the King James Version of the Bible. Reckon. It means to reckon something so. Again, our word reckon has come to mean something different. We use it to mean could be, too. We use it in the wrong way, though. I reckon so. I reckon so. Maybe so. Hope so. We need to think of it in terms of the day of what? Reckoning. The day of reckoning. That great day when we'll all stand before God as Christians will stand to see what our rewards are. And we must have a reckoning of our accounts of what we did in the flesh and what we did in the spirit. And we will given, be given rewards in accordance to it. But those who die without Christ, those who die without faith in Jesus will stand at the great white throne judgment of God and the books will be opened. These books right here. It's the only standard of righteousness there is. And you'll be judged according to these, these books. Not to see if you get to go to heaven. That's already been determined by whether your, book was, your name was in the book of life. And you get in the book of life by trusting Jesus. And if you make it this judgment, you have no chance of heaven. Now all that's left is to see how hot hell is going to be for you. It's the day of reckoning. The day of reckoning. It is the day that reveals innocence or guilt. What does the reckoning say? What do the accounts say? What has been imputed? And is it enough for payment? When God looks at my account and he looks at all the filthy things that I've done and then he looks at the good that I've done, what would my, what would my reckoning be? It'd be awful. I would owe and owe and owe and owe and owe. We don't have time for me to tell you how much I'd owe. But my friend, long ago, I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believed in God and he accounted 
tested it for righteousness. Where did he get this righteousness? Where did he get this righteousness from? Did he borrow some for you to give it to me? Did he take, did he have some socialistic measure where he took from everybody and made everybody even? No, because everybody owed. Everybody was going under. Everybody was going to be turned over to the debtor's prison. He gave me his. He gave me his righteousness. So when he looks at my record and my accounting, it's full, it's full. It's black, it's black, it's black. Amen. Because it's his righteousness. And when God looks at my accounts, he will look down at a full account full of Christ's righteousness. And he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Well, hallelujah. Let's go back to verses four and five. I got ahead of myself again. This ain't a play. This is Bible study, so I, don't, I can do that if I want to. Look at verse four. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Now, if you're going to say, Brother Ron, I think I can get to heaven by my works, okay? You get no grace. You get no grace. If you're going to say, I'm going to be saved. Some of you here sit and you say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Number one, you're wrong. You've broken his law and he's a holy God. He requires perfect righteousness. And if you say, well, I think I'm good enough and I'll be good enough, you're wrong. But number two, you will never receive his grace. You'll get no assistance from grace because it's not both, it's either or. It's like oil and water. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if you get to heaven by your works, he owes you heaven. He owes it to you. But look at verse 5. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. But the day that I came to Jesus and I cried as the old song, you know I love it, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And God said, you're accepted. You're justified. I declare today, Ron Owen is not guilty. How in the world? And my, my family and my friends and my enemies must say, how in the world could you do that? We know Ron Owen. Y'all forgive me, this microphone's about to drive me crazy. How, how in the world can you do that? We know he's a sinner. And he says, I know he's a sinner, but my son is not. And my son gave him his righteousness. And where his sin abounded, my grace, unmerited favor, much more abounds. I'm just, I'm just having the time of my life preaching through this book. I hope you are too. Lastly, let me see. There are two ways to fill up your account of righteousness, your own and that righteousness that is graciously given to you by Christ. The account is due. The price is perfect holiness. What does your account, what does your account reveal? Lastly, hope's executor. Hope's executor. In spite of Abraham and Sarah's deadness, Abraham believed God's promise. Three, God accounted his faith as righteousness. And lastly, his and our righteousness. Talk about Abraham. Abraham and our righteousness is provided by Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. See, it wasn't free. Your righteousness isn't free. 
you're just not the one that has to pay for it. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus is the one washed it white as snow. Our deadness being made life, our promises of forgiveness and eternal glory, our faith is in, verse 24, him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was, was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Jesus was delivered up. If you look in Isaiah, I love Isaiah 53. I love it. It says that God bruised him. My friend, it wasn't the Romans that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. It was God that poured his wrath upon his own son for you. Can you imagine? He was delivered up. He was delivered up to the Romans. He was delivered up to the Jews. He was delivered up to the tormentors. He was delivered up to sin. But my friend, he was delivered up to God and his wrath to pay the price of our sin and for our redemption. That phrase means to, that delivered up means to be given up or to be given over. He was given over to the wrath of God for our sin, our account, and our bankruptcy. Jesus was raised up. Not only was he delivered up, it says, but it says he was raised up. Somebody say hallelujah. He was raised up. He rose again, rose from the dead. In these verses, twice it says he was raised up. This means he died. He died for you and me because of our offenses. He paid our debt. He was raised because of our justification. This is what makes God just when he justifies is that Christ paid for it. He paid our debt and he lifted up our and he filled up our accounts with his righteousness. Amen. And in so doing, he settled and he filled my accounts for me that I could have never done myself. That I could have never done myself. Jesus, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That's it. And there's an old song that I'm going to end with. You know it well, many of you. It goes like this. There was a time, I know, when in the book of heaven, an old account was standing of sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went into the keeper and settled long ago. Long ago. Long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago and the record's clear today for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead, and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle, and I settled long ago. When at the judgment bar I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find a thing. Then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow, because I had it settled, and settled long ago. Long ago, long ago, yes, the old account was settled long ago and my record's clear today 
sins away and the old account was settled long ago. (laughs) 